Good morning. It's good to see you this morning, to be able to be with you this morning, to study together, to worship together as we have done thus far. We had uh, been away the last week in Florida, and it is good. Uh, it was good to be there visiting with the boys, but it's good to be back here with you, worshiping with our family here. And I'm excited about the opportunity that we have and encouraged by the worship that we've had thus far. Uh, Throughout our year, as we are now closing in on the end of it, I mean, we are really getting down towards the very end of our year. And at the very beginning of our year, uh, the elders kind of laid out a theme for us for this year of being engaged and involved as Christians, not just speaking or talking the talk, as we often would say, but actually walking the walk, fighting hypocrisy at every corner. Fighting that obstacle, that temptation to say the right things, but yet not be the right things. It is an incredible obstacle that we face. And hopefully this year, as we've talked through some of these things, it's helped us to make sure that as God instructs us, that I am a Christian. That I don't just say that I'm a Christian that I am a follower of God, that I don't just say I'm a follower of God, that I do love God and showcase that in my life, that I don't just say those things. And so once a month, and then sprinkled in other places, we have, John and I both, spent some time in dealing with specifically some things that we need to be engaged and involved in. And so this morning, we're going to continue that. And we're going to talk about the importance of being engaged and being involved in my study of God's Word. And now, before anybody here takes a deeper spot on the pew and says, here we go. The preacher is going to talk about the importance of reading my Bible. Here we go. The preacher is going to talk about how I need to read my Bible every day. Here we go. We've been down this road. We've heard all of these things. Yes, I know I need to read my Bible, Mr. Preacher. Well, we're not going to exactly do that. Some of that, yes. I mean, we're going to talk about the importance of studying our Bibles this morning and the importance of being engaged in that and being involved with that. But instead of hammering down on those kinds of things this morning, what I would prefer and what I'm asking everyone this morning is to open up your heart and to open up your mind to a few things that I think can help in an area such as this. We're going to go about this topic in a little bit different way than I have certainly done so previously. We're going to go on a little journey this morning, and we're going to point out a few things that I believe can help us if we stay open to them, if we stay honest about who we are and where we are with reference to this topic, that I think it can help us this morning to make sure and to understand the importance, yes, I need to be engaged, I need to be involved in my study of this book. Yes, that means more than opening up and reading the pages. Yes, it means more than being able to dominate Bible trivia games and contests. Yes, it means more than when I'm watching Jeopardy in the evenings and a Bible category comes up, I sit 
up in my seat and think, I'm going to kill this thing, right? I mean, that's where we've all been before. But we know and we understand that being engaged and involved in my study and in God's Bible is so much more than just being able to answer all of the questions. And the reason is this book is so much more than that. So I want us to think about a few things, maybe in a little bit different way this morning, that I think can help when we study a topic such as the importance of studying and being engaged in God's Word. When we're introduced to God at the very beginning of this book in Genesis chapter 1, it's interesting that we're really introduced to Him speaking. It is the very beginning of God's book. It is the very outset. It is how we are introduced to him, the power that lies in his words. Throughout creation in Genesis chapter 1, it is over and over and over the phrase, God said. It is the very utterance of him saying at the very outset in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, then God said, let there be light and there was light. Showcasing at the very beginning the power that is in the very words of God. It directly points to that. And I want us to understand the significance of that. That the very concept of what we have and what we hold, the very words of God, the power that is contained here. And how different that is than any other book that we pick up. How different it is than any other book that we read. How different it is than any other thing that has words on a page such as this. That these words are so very different because they come from God. And when God speaks, he speaks with power. And so throughout history, God has spoken in lots of different ways. Throughout history, he has spoken directly to man as we see through the pages of the Old Testament, as he speaks to the patriarchs, as he speaks to men like Moses, and he talks directly to them. There's no buffer in between. God speaks directly to man, and he did that for some time. God spoke through the prophets. When we get to prophets like Isaiah, and he begins to write, or Jeremiah, and he begins to to tell the people, this is what God said. This is what God wants. This is what God directs. But when we get to the page of the New Testament, we see God speaking in the flesh. It becomes something very different got a Bible handy. I want you to open up to John chapter 1. We're going to spend some time in the gospel of John this morning. And we're going to begin in John chapter 1. And I want you to see how it is that, that John introduces Jesus to us. He says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we know because of verse 14... And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As John helps us to understand this word that he references as God in verse 1 is Jesus, because of what we see in verse 14. But it is so interesting how it is that he's introduced to us in this way. Jesus given to us in so many different ways throughout the Gospels. 
John introduces us to him as the Word. And so when we get to other passages, like in John chapter 14, it makes sense in the way he says what he says beginning in verse 6, where Jesus now speaking says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? Listen. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. You see, the point that is made in John in his gospel is that when Jesus was here in the flesh, he was speaking as God. So as God spoke directly to man, for sure, and he spoke through the prophets in the pages of the Old Testament, in the flesh he speaks. But he also speaks through inspired writers. And that brings us to where we are today. In a passage that so many of us are familiar with in the book of 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, it says, But as for you, continue, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, you continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of and known from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The point that Paul is making here in the book of 2 Timothy is that all Scripture, everything that we have, is in essence the Word of God. And what we cannot lose sight in this morning, the Word of God and the power that it has. You see, God speaks with power. God speaks with authority. He did so when he spoke directly. He did so when he spoke through the prophets. It was so as Jesus spoke, and it is so in the books that we hold. And if I'm going to be in any way engaged and involved in my study, I have to believe that. It is, in essence, the one thing that makes the most difference. It is the one thing that will make the most difference. It is my understanding of what it is that I'm holding. If I just look at it as another book, I'll treat it that way. But if I understand that it is the very words of God, who through his words created the universe, it becomes something so very different. So I want to take this one step further this morning. And I want us to begin to think about why the Bible is so important. 
Why is it so important? Why should I be involved in it? Why should I be engaged in it? What is it that makes it so important? I want to point out two things to you this morning. Two things that I believe makes the Bible so vital to who we are as people here, even in 2021. And the first thing is this. It holds the very key on how to be pleasing to God. We have passages like this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Hebrew writer makes the point that without faith you cannot be pleasing to God. You cannot be pleasing to him. It is impossible even. And so the question is, how do we then find out who he is? How do we find out about the rewards that he has promised? How do we find out those things? We find out those things in one simple way, and that is God's word. And so that's why Paul writes in passages like that in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How is it that I establish my faith? How is it that I build up my faith? How is it that I mature my faith? How is it that I strengthen my faith? This book. And an understanding without faith, you cannot please God. So that's why in essence it holds the very key on how to be pleasing to God. But secondly, secondly, it holds the very key to getting where I want to go. We went around the room this morning. Do you want to spend eternity in heaven or do you want to spend eternity in hell? Just that simple question. 100% response would be, I want to spend eternity in heaven. We don't have to go around the room to know that. A hundred percent response would be that. Where do I want to go? What reward do I want? What life do I want for eternity? What, what am I expecting? What do I desire? I desire heaven. And, and in understanding that, God's word holds the key to getting to where I want to go. Let's take a look at John chapter 6. There's a really interesting thing that happens in John chapter 6 surrounding the words with which Jesus speaks with. It's a long chapter. We're not going to go through the entirety of the chapter. We're going to hit just a couple of highlights to kind of give us an idea of what's going on. But all of this kind of it is, it is fingering off of Jesus feeding 5,000 of people. So he has thousands and thousands of people. And just with a, a few loaves and a few fish, he, he feeds all of those people. An amazing, an astounding thing to take place. People are interested in more of that. They're interested in more things like that, of seeing more things like that, of being involved in more things like that. And there are, because of that, loads and loads and loads of people following Jesus. And so he has some teaching for them. He has some words for them. And so he says in John chapter 6 and verse 26, at the outset of this conversation, 
He says that Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So he says in verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, for which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And so that is the very beginning of this elaborate conversation, really, about Jesus and what he can give. And he uses an illustration of his own body, of eating of his flesh and and drinking of his blood, of being that involved with who he is and specifically what he said. And they're listening. They're listening to everything that he's teaching. They're they're listening to everything that they're saying. And you, you see people just getting more and more confused by what he says. And so what we have in verse 60 of that text is that many of his disciples, when they heard this, they say, this is a a hard saying, who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured about this. And he said to them, does this offend you? What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Listen. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and and would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And it is the words that he brings, the words that he says now brings life. They're not interested in. And so now he turns, he turns to his disciples, the closest of ones with him. And he says in verse 67, as he turns, do you also want to go away? As we just learned, lots of them left and walked away. And he turns to the apostles and says, do you want to go away? Now listen close to what Peter says. He says, to whom shall we go? Look at what he says. You have, why, why? He says, where else are we going to go? He says, you, speaking to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. He says to Jesus, you you are the key. You are the key to to where I want to be. You are the key to where I want to go. You are the one that shows the way. You are the one that makes the path where I can get on it, where I can see it. You, you are the one. Where, where else am I going to go? I, I want to go to heaven. I want to have this life that you speak of. I, I want to spend eternity there. That, that's what I want. And you and your words are the key to that. And so we have to, like Peter, look at God's word in that way. What do we want? I want heaven. I'll speak for myself only. You speak for you. I want heaven. And because I want heaven, this God's word shows me the way. The question becomes, how bad do I want that? Well, again, speaking for me, I mean, to get super articulate, I want it real bad. 
want it real bad. And because I want it so bad, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be engaged in God's book. Let me give you an example of that. I'm going to give you two illustrations, and I want you to be really honest with yourself and your answers. Really honest with yourself and your answers. This is going to be an easy illustration, but I'm telling you it will play out better in your mind if you are really honest about it. What if I told you that in these few pieces of paper right here gave the exact location and place for buried treasure one billion dollars in buried treasure and the exact place and location is found right here on these few pages, these few pieces of paper. So question number one. If I said I'm going to leave it right here, how many of you would be interested in taking a look at it a little bit later on? Be honest about that. How many of you, when you opened it up and you found that there's, you know, three pages of writing on here, would be really intent with reading all of it? Be honest about that. Let me put it another way. Maybe a little bit more personal of a way. What if I told you all of the exits in this building have been sealed up. All of the exits have been sealed up. And like in some spy movie, in through the vents is circulating a deadly gas. But on these few sheets of paper is the key to getting out of here. Now, again, you be honest about how interested you would be about taking a look at what's here. How interested and how in-depth you would be about reading what's here. If these few sheets of paper were the very key to you getting out of here alive. Now, listen, those are easy, basic illustrations. And hopefully you're honest about your answers. So easy and basic are they that hopefully the most of you have made the segue already. Spiritually speaking, much more important than physical money, much more important even than our own physical well-being. But spiritually speaking, that's what this book does. It holds the key to freeing ourselves from imminent danger and spiritual death. And it holds the key to incredible reward in heaven. And so when we think about it those kinds of ways, two very quick things that should spur off of that is because of that 
I simply cannot neglect in any way what he has said. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, the Hebrew writer, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Why? Lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, According to his own will, it is nearly a rhetorical questions that he's asking here. How is it? How is it you can neglect what he has said? It's silly, it's foolishness to do that. So because of that, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have said. Why? Lest we drift away. And so the sad reality of our culture is this book, which is year after year after year and in history the best-selling book of all time, it is sadly the least read. But we've got to be engaged. We've got to be involved. And so when I read it, I'm going to read it with energy. I'm going to study it with energy. I'm going to make time for its consideration. I want to draw your attention to two passages that will help us with that. In Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, there are two passages. There's lots of passages there about God's word. I want to direct your attention to just a couple of them. Psalm 119 and verse 97. Psalm 119 and verse 97. Think about these two things. If I believe, excuse me, if I believe that the Bible is the very word of God, if I believe that, I'm going to study it with energy. I'm going to make time for it and for its consideration. Psalm 119 and 97. 119 and 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is, the, it is my meditation all the day. Verse 131 of that same chapter. I open, this is a passage I love, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. What a great visual that is. Look at 147 and 148 of that same chapter. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My Eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. You see, if I believe that the Bible is God's word, I'm not going to neglect it in any way. I'm going to go at it with energy. Finally, I'm going to find joy in it. Again, Psalm 119, verse 111 Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. They are the rejoicing of my heart. Psalm 119 and verse 162, almost at the very end of this chapter. I 
rejoiced at your word as one who finds great treasure. So the questions are, do you delight? Do you rejoice in God's word? How much? More than sleep? More than wealth? You see, we start to think about those kinds of things. I want to close this morning with one final passage. In the Gospel of Luke, there's a story that's told that we use often in different ways. I think it applies to our study this morning. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story that's told of Jesus visiting a home that he often does where two sisters are, Mary and Martha. And we often will read this passage and we'll ask the question, which are these two sisters are you going to be? And we're going to do that again this morning. In Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 38, it says that they happened, they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What is the, the, the one good thing here? Jesus says one, one thing, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen it, but what did she choose? Listening to God. That's what she chose. Was there other things that she could have done? Sure, there's lots of other things that she could have done. But what does she choose? Listening to God. We live a life where there are lots of choices, lots of things going on. Not bad things, lots of good things, lots of wholesome things happening. Every day there are lots of things going on. What choices are we making? Are we choosing to listen to God? Are we valuing God's word? Two applications, two application questions for you to consider, and then we'll be done. Are you valuing time and God's word throughout your week? Are you making time for reading God's word? Are you making time for studying God's word? Are you making time for meditating upon God's word? Not finding the time. I make mention of this often. We use that phrase, if I find the time, you know, I'll get to that. Well, guess what? There is no more time to find. We have all, 24 hours in a day. We can't find more time. We've got to make the time. Do I value God's word enough to make the time throughout my week? It's a question you need to answer. Secondly, maybe more specifically, am I taking full advantage of the opportunities that are in front of me? The opportunities to study God's word. The opportunities that I have to study God's word, even with brethren. Opportunities like we had even today. You know, sometimes I think we lose sight of the incredible opportunity it is for us to study God's word here in our Bible classes together. Not everybody has that opportunity. 
like we have here. It's an incredible opportunity. Are we taking advantage of that? We have Bible classes here on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and here at Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. And yes, there is incredible value in studying and reading and meditating upon God's Word alone. We need to be doing that to grow and to mature. But what an incredible opportunity that we have to do so with others, with different ideas and different thoughts. Different strengths, different weaknesses. Incredible opportunities. I am so thankful our elders have given us that opportunity. You taking advantage of that opportunity? Do you value it? Maybe you're here right now as we worship God together at 10 o'clock, but you weren't here at 9 o'clock. Why not? What's going on then? It was an incredible opportunity that was missed. There are some from time to time that come at nine or come at seven on Wednesday nights. But they don't really go to class at all. They sit somewhere else or they do something else. I don't know. What an incredible opportunity that's been missed. And we have others that come at 9 o'clock and come at 7 o'clock and sit in the room that the class is happening. But mentally, they're not really there at all. We're missing incredible opportunities. And the simple question is this, how much do I value God's Word? I cannot provide that answer in words but I absolutely can indeed. Why is it so important? It holds the key to everything that I want, everything that I desire, everything that I need. This is the key to all of that. And so when we begin to think about God's word in that way, I think it can help us can help us to be engaged, can help us to be involved with it, can get me to the place that I want to spend time in it. I want to spend time in it on Mondays and Tuesdays and and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. I, I want to spend time in it because that's where my joy is found because it delivers on what I'm looking for. It is a powerful, powerful book that each and every one of us have in our possession. The question is this morning, how are we putting it to use? I would encourage you today, the next couple of days, to give serious consideration to that question. Well, everybody listened so well this morning. I appreciate that in every way. Mark is going to lead us in a song of invitation. He's going to lead us in a song that gives us an opportunity to think about where we are with God, our relationship with Him. It is the only relationship that makes a difference. Eternally, it will be the only relationship that makes a difference. So again, we've been talking about opportunities to take advantage of those opportunities, and we've got one of those right now to think about that relationship. And, and if it's not where it needs to be, to, to then do something about it. And we're going to have an opportunity to do just that.
Maybe it is your sin which separates you from God and needs to be washed away in the waters of baptism. And you know that needs to take place. And you've been putting it off for whatever reason. It doesn't make a difference. The reason. Let's take advantage of the opportunity that we have right now. Or maybe your relationship with God is broken in some other way. Let's take advantage of this opportunity that we have now to do something about it and to fix it. Maybe we can help. If we can, let us know as we stand and sing. Amen.